Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. Aaron, it is official. I turned another year older, and we turn another episode over right here on Bass Edge Radio. The September 15th edition, episode 288. Rolling. Hard to believe. That's 288 times that we have mentioned our partner, MegaWare Keelguard, and their extensive lineup of products. There is only one MegaWare brand. Be sure to visit them at KeelGuard.com. Put on the protection of pros pick. First, do-it-yourself keel protector, amongst many other things like the flex step, skate guard, so on and so forth. Kurt, you know what? In 288 times of us kind of being at the mic, it never gets old, and certainly we get to have a lot of fun doing this. Yeah, it's a great time. I tell you, another thing I have a lot of fun doing is reading my Bass Blaster. Make sure you get signed up for uh, Jay Kumar's Bass Blaster. You can do that by uh, just sending in a short, quick little email to BassBlaster at BassGold.com. And uh, I tell you what, Jay is getting pretty humorous and creative over these last several blasters that he's been sending out. It's always fun to listen to what he's got to say and check out some of the uh, crazy happenings out there in the fishing world. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, he's always been kind of that zany yet able to deliver the goods but do so in a very very entertaining fashion and i just really really like going through that stuff kind of like your intros kurt sometimes when you sing you know? <laughs> right yeah we might have to pick that back up here later on this fall it gets a little chilly i might do some crazy stuff you never know but uh until then we've got some good tips that we got to hear about because we're all trying to become better anglers i love hearing these tackle tips let's get right into the next one This episode's protecttheharvest.com tackle tip with James Niggemeyer. Whenever I'm fishing, whether it's in the wintertime or in the summertime, one of the things that I want to take into consideration is gear ratio. If it's the winter and the water's colder, definitely slower gear ratio, like a 6.3 or even slower. When it's water's warmer or hotter even, I like a 7.3 or even an 8 to 1 gear ratio. And one of the things that's great when you're using a faster gear ratio in that warmer water, when you need to burn something and bring it fast, you're not going to wear yourself out through the day you make more casts be more fresh no fatigue in the arms and different things like that it's uh, definitely something to take into consideration when you're thinking about what you're going to tie on the presentation and the time of year great tip thanks james first by land and now by sea for years lucas oil has been a staple in high performance vehicles on both the road and track now from the makers of lucas oil comes lucas marine products specifically engineered for marine applications protect and lubricate your marine inboard outboard or high performance boat with lucas marine engine oil or lucas synthetic based oil learn more about the complete line of lucas oil and marine products visit lucasoil.com Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. The Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Livewell, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. 
Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. It's been a while since I've been out on the water. Getting a touch on start here and there, but no tourneys as of late. But uh, I've got one big event later on this year, which we'll talk about in a future episode, going back again to the U.S. Open out there at Lake Mead in October. But I know that you've got an event coming up, and a pretty darn big one, fishing for 45K, Z19 with a 200 Merc. What's going on with the championship in your world, my friend? Yeah, that is coming up uh, here shortly, the last week of September still kind of on pins and needles because of you heard me say uh, a while back but the demand with the new mercury four strokes has been interesting to try and get that inventory they're in such demand but uh, i'm confident it's all going to work out i'll have the new boat ready to go by the time that that rolls around but it's actually going to be on lake the ozarks and as we know you know we heard james talk uh last episode about how tough it can be to fish in september and that's kind of where things are i like lake the ozarks it's really where i kind of learned how to bass fish tremendous amount of docks i suspect those will be a 100 percent target of mine throughout the course of that three-day tournament but yeah Kurt it's one of those deals to where you've got to mentally just tune in and realize you're hoping for five bites but in between those bites you've got to stay kind of mentally locked in so that uh, you can put every fish in the boat that you get a bite on because the bites are generally going to be few and far between yeah well you know the interesting thing about Lake of the Ozarks too is that it just has a big population of fish in that two to three pound class but you know you constantly see those larger weights you know you got to really hit that 17 and 19 pound range to really begin to contend there how do you think this time of year you're going to target some better quality fish you're exactly right and we've heard it on bass edge before the 30 guys that are fishing it are the 30 right guys correct guys and they can all fish you know marcus sakura is actually fishing this one which he lives there and he has won hundreds of thousands of dollars on lake of the ozark so uh past costa championship winner there but uh, that's where i think the dock play comes into effect that lake is loaded with five six pounders getting one to bite that time of year is a little difficult but i can tell you i'm going to be looking for hard bottoms under those docks one of the things that back in the day when i was very young i marked a lot of docks down through the years but i would take a piece of metal conduit and would go into the back of these creek pockets and stick it down and if i got it to tink i knew that there was gravel or harder bottoms if it was a silty bottom and it just went in you know those are areas that i would not even stop to pay attention to and that's really what i'm going to be going after and i think a lot of your guys are going to be doing that very same thing and and a lot of times what has to happen is whatever bait is the bait of choice whether it's a jig whether it's something a creature bait that you're flipping sometimes you have to soak it sometimes you can just barely move it and other times they're actually up under that capsulated foam suspended to where you have to take like a swim jig or a tube or on a very light weight that just kind of falls through the water column but regardless you've got to saturate those docks and once you figure out what docks are holding to you might run 50 to 60 docks a day just to get one bite you never know if they're going to be on the front side on the back side in amongst all the cables throwing some top water early in the morning that type of thing so it's going to be a grind but i can assure you uh if you think that you're going to win this tournament with eight or nine pounds a day it ain't going to happen you know it's it's probably going to be closer in that 14 pounds per day to win the thing it should be an interesting event for sure i gotta throw out there you know with all the talk lately about uh watson and uh, some of the things that we've talked about with him and i remember just a few months ago at the forestwood cup he was talking about spoon fishing that could become a big player especially in 
the fall, you get a few fish hanging up under those dark docks. So uh, we'll see how it all plays out, man. Oz, always wishing you the best of luck. Love to see you on top of the podium in that one. We have another guest ready to go. This guy, you know, we talked a little about this last episode. We got a collegiate angler in the house. First ever right here on Bass Edge Radio. Stay tuned. Hey, you got professional angler David Mullins. This is the SLW Tour Pro Bradley Hallman. I'm professional angler John Carr. Bass Master Elite Series Angler. This is Bass Elite Angler Chris Lane. This is Bass University Pro Pete Kluzak on Bass Edge Radio. We'll be right back. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. This episode's featured angler is a first right here on Bass Edge Radio. That's right. We got a college angler, Dylan Harrell from Sam Houston State. We've invited Dylan to Bass Edge Radio as our guru of the college fishing scene. We want to be sure we can share with our listeners the breakdown of collegiate fishing and what is available out there concerning participation and involvement for high school anglers once college is on the horizon. Dylan, thanks for being with us today on the show, man. Yeah, man. It's my pleasure. I'm excited to be here. Well, we are excited to have you, Dylan. And first, uh, before we dive off into picking your brain on how you have done it, let's get a bit of your backstory and kind of see how you got into the college scene. And if I'm not mistaken, you were a pretty salty angler in the high school realms, correct? Well, the good Lord blessed me with a lot of success in my earlier high school years. But I really started fishing when I was about eight years old. I fished a lot of the Junior Bass Nation tournaments and really worked my way up through a lot of like youth tournaments that are local. Uh, Ignition Bass, YFL, uh, that was a real local trail. It was real big in my area. A lot of kids fished it, and we had a lot of, like I guess you would say, interleague rivals going on between us. A bunch of kids going up through middle school and high school that always wanted to beat each other. So that really pushed us to be better anglers. But once I got into high school, I really came up through high school around the time that high school fishing was really starting to, I guess, make its growth. I fished one of the first state qualifiers for the TBF uh, whenever I was a freshman in high school. And it was only like 30 boats. I mean, there wasn't very many. And now there's upwards of two and 300 boat high school tournaments, even four and 500 boat high school tournaments now where it's grown substantially. But as I was getting out of high school is when it really started to get big. And, and I knew that whenever I was choosing a college that I was going to fish in college because I knew that was going to take my career to the next step. And my whole family graduated from Sam Houston State. So it was kind of a sentimental thing to go there. I was trying to carry on a little bit of a legacy and they had a fishing team. So it was a win-win for me. Kurt and I fished when it was uh, fishing wasn't <laughs> cool in high school. I can tell that's, you that. <laughs> that's right. Well, I was running around trying to figure out if I could have two or three friends that even knew what bass fishing was. Back <laughs> I, I don't even think you had two or three friends, let alone that fished. That's because I was by the lake too darn much. That's why. When you don't have any friends. <laughs> it, it, it's amazing how this whole high school thing and college thing has developed, like you say, Dylan, so quickly. I mean, you talk about 
about back in your high school days, but obviously you're going into your senior year of college. And essentially, we're talking about five years ago, high school fishing wasn't that big. And now it's grown from small, just having a little isolated pockets of high school events, and which it's still growing larger today in many states. But some of these states have really expanded. And uh, like you say, four or 500 boat tournaments. Dylan, you were a 2015 high school All-American through the Bassmaster project that they had going out. That's how we met. We had an excellent time out there at Barkley Lake. And, you know, I participated in a few of these and have generally kept in touch with most of the anglers I've fished with. You kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier in high school. Once you set your sights on college, you went to San Houston State based on family tradition. But when you're looking at that or when you talk to other high school anglers today that are entering college or even some college anglers that obviously that you're competing against throughout the country, how much of a factor are high school students that love the bass fish weighing on universities with fishing teams? Well, you said it yourself, they have to really be dedicated to the sport and they have to really, really want to make a career out of it or just succeed in it to the fullest extent. Whenever they're choosing somewhere to go based on having a fishing team, I'll be honest, whenever I was looking for colleges, a fishing team was number one on my list. But number two, I I didn't really want to be all that far from home. So I didn't want to travel to, you know, Tennessee or Oklahoma or Kentucky or anywhere like that. I wanted to kind of stay local. But whenever I found out that my college that I go to now had a fishing team and I could go to the same place that my grandfather graduated, my mom, my uncle, both my aunts that are married in, my dad, his brother, I mean, everybody in my family graduated from there. It was just a plus. And whenever kids are really looking solely based on that, all I can really say is just weigh your options. I mean, you're going to have tons of college around there that are going to have fishing teams, especially in, you know, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, and the really, you know, the hot spot areas where there's just a lot of fishermen that come out. You can attest to that as well as I can. Alabama spits out quite a few fishermen, but it's one of those things where don't ever settle. I mean, if you settle for a school that doesn't have a fishing team, I mean, that's really not all that bad. You can start one, and I guarantee you that on a college campus, you can find a couple of other people that like to bass fish. They might not be as competitive as you are, but I mean, as long as you can get you a partner in the boat and at least go and compete, that's worthwhile to me. Yeah. Is there any resources that are available for high school students that are looking at colleges with programs that you can peruse and check out to kind of understand what some of the options are out there? Honestly, I didn't really look because it wasn't that spectacular and big whenever I first got into college. But as far as I'm aware, I don't think that there are any websites you can go to, or I guess you could say like recruitment options that you can go and look for kind of like football or baseball or anything like that as far as i'm aware i don't think there is interesting well dylan we're talking about two very very financially expensive endeavors oh yeah one is education which is college and the second is bass fishing so Mm -hmm. i'm curious to know can you help us understand what is kind of the lay of the land as far as support that universities are willing to provide the college teams are there ever any scholarships issued to be applied towards tuition how does that work because if you're trying to do both of those you know for those of us like myself that had to pay for their own education i mean man that can be crippling oh yeah in in itself not even having to fish that's Uh, right that's right now there's a lot of schools that do offer scholarships for fishing off the top of my head i can't really for sure name it because i haven't heard it straight from the coaches that say yes we offer a scholarship but i'm going to assume that bethel baptist in tennessee they offer a scholarship i think dallas baptist university 
university offers a scholarship. I think Drury so University of, of, out of Springfield does as well, I believe, because I know that uh, okay. Rick Emmett is the coach up there, and I believe they get mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, kind of a stipend towards some of their tuition. Yes, sir. A lot of colleges like that that are really trying to push a fishing team, they will offer scholarships and stuff for anglers to come and fish for them. I know a lot of universities, they provide their anglers with trucks. They provide them with boats to use. Obviously, they have the same liability insurances and stuff that go along with those boats and vehicles, but they allow them to have coaches. Like you said, if one in Springfield has a coach, a lot of these bigger universities that have bigger teams, and you can really tell which team's got the most out of it because you'll see all the guys walking around, then you'll see a coach who's in there, and the coach just kind of helps with keeping everybody in line. I mean, I don't know if he like really coaches people, but he keeps everybody together, keeps everybody kind of in the same hotel, makes sure all the money and funds are in where they're supposed to be. My college, unfortunately, doesn't offer any help for traveling or any help with my tuition or anything like that because the fishing team, whenever I got there, it wasn't very big. It was just four guys that like to go fishing that happened to go to Sam Houston State University. But we've grown it to where it's getting pretty big and the college is really kind of starting to recognize us and we're starting to make a little bit of a ripple in the water in the bass fishing world with our team, not necessarily with me and my partner, but with my whole team. And I think that we're going to be approved for a little bit of a travel fund next year. So praise the Lord on that because I need all the help I can get. (laughs) (laughs) That's an interesting thing there because you look at, obviously, like Aaron was mentioning, the expense of this and you're already going to school. You are providing some branding for the university. I mean, you made the national championship there on the Bassmaster side at 10 Killer last month. So, you know, obviously that's getting Sam Houston State name out there a little bit more. So it sounds like they're seeing some benefits from this. I know that, you know, as you mentioned, some of the other colleges have kind of jumped on a little bit quicker, a little bit more wholeheartedly, which, you know, obviously each college is different. And, you know, it's probably just like anything else. You look at a sponsorship typically from a non-endemic. If there's somebody in the marketing department that likes bass fishing, there's something that probably they're going to support in the bass fishing industry. It sounds like uh, a similar deal just like it would be in in any process to this well let's look real quick at some of the different programs that are available for college anglers there's i think three different organizations that provide a platform for you to compete in is that correct you got flw bass and the cabela's boat us series can you just give us a rundown and i don't want to dive too deep into it but you know just kind of give us a rundown of those three and is that all three of them as far as that can really qualify you for a national championship yes those are really the three main ones. There's a lot of little college trails that go around in the states or local tournaments, but after you you know, you know win a championship, you can't go any further than that. But uh, FLW is, I'll start with them because I started fishing them whenever I first got into college. FLW has regions just like every other college tournament does. Correct me if I'm wrong, I believe they have the northern, the eastern, the southeastern, the southern, and then maybe the southwestern, I believe. But each region has three tournaments and they space them out throughout the year. And all three of those tournaments can qualify you for the national championship. Now, I'm in the southern region, so we usually fish Sam Rayburn in the first part of the year, and then this year they went to Texoma, and then in October I'll be going to the Wachita River because uh, whenever the Texoma tournament rolled around, I was already tied up with some other things. But they have three qualifiers per region, and if you place in the top however many they tell you at the tournament meeting based on how many boats showed up to the tournament, you'll qualify for the national championship, and then you'll fish the national 
national championship. It's a great experience just being able to compete at a level where you know you had to qualify to get there against some of the best college anglers in the world. I mean, it's a real humbling feeling. And then I'll go to Boat US next. They usually have maybe one or two qualifying events throughout the year. And you don't really have to fish those in order to send a representative from your team to their national championship. You just have to be affiliated with the Boat US Collegiate Series. But if you do fish a couple of their events, like um, they had the Texas Lunker Challenge on Lake Sam Rayburn, if you send a couple of teams to that one and just participate, no matter how high you place, then you're able to send an extra berth to their national championship. And the more berths you get to their national championship and the more teams that you have fished their tournaments, the better you get in terms of your team of the year status because they have a points race that runs per team throughout the whole nation. I mean, you got Bethel, us at Sam Houston, McKendry, you've got UNA. Those are some of the top, minus us, those are some of the top dogs in the nation that are consistently placing in the top five for team of the year, if not winning it years and years in a row. I saved bass for last because I've fished the most of them. I know everything backwards and forwards of how those are run, but uh, this past year they came out with something new. It was called the College Bass Tour, and used to it would just be you fished your regional. If you didn't qualify at your regional, you go to a wild card. And if you didn't qualify at the wild card, you know, you'll have to try again next year to make the national championship. And everybody knows whenever you're a fisherman, you just have bad days sometimes and you have bad tournaments and you were getting limited to two tournaments a year just to try to make the national championship when there were three other regional tournaments that were going on that could have also qualified you. It was really just kind of hindering a lot of guys' performance, I believe. I don't know for sure. But what Bass did is they came out with a tour. They still have regions, so they call it the Central, the Southern, the Eastern, and the Western Regional, and we travel to all four of those. So you can fish any region you want? Yes, sir. You can fish any one of them you want. We drove from Houston, Texas, to Lakeport, California to fish the Western one, and I, I tell you, that was a haul. But I got to fish the famous Clear Lake. We didn't do as well as we hoped at that tournament. We were going for the team of the year which you have a points race and each team not the college team in specific but like myself and my partner each team were in the points race for team of the year and it was the inaugural title everybody was there was a few guys that were really kind of vying to get that we went all out with it i I told my partner colby at the beginning of the year i said dude look i want to go for this you know if we place well at toledo bend and we're high enough up there to where we can actually rebound and come off i'd like to do it but anyway not to get too much off subject bass has got those four tour events and then you got the national championship there's no more wild card because anybody can fish any one of those tour events the cool thing about it is if you don't place high enough in your regional tournament then you're still able to fish the rest of the tour and try to get within the top 30 in points and if you're in the top 30 with points you're in the national championship that's a rule that bass made if you make it into the top 30 for points you're in the national championship and that's the top 30 points based on if you go fish more than one region yes well actually i saw guys who didn't fish but one or two regionals that actually made it into the top 30 right just because not not a bunch of other teams travel all over the country i mean obviously that's that's pretty expensive (laughs) Uh, yeah with like you said earlier that college tuition plus the travel expenses that come along with fishing thank god there's no entry fees it makes it tough but we were blessed with picking up a couple of sponsors that helped us out financially this year so we were able to do that and we made a lot of memories and we learned a lot going around that tour sure and when bass came up with that it was really genius because If somebody is truly serious about making a career out of fishing, you're just going to have to face it. You have to travel and you have to go to places that you've never been to before. And Bath is really starting to, 
I guess, warm the college guys up to learning how to travel and how to manage your expenses. Uh, $8 meal at McDonald's or $8 meal at Whataburger or whatever, I mean, that, that adds up when you eat it six days in a row. Sometimes you just got to gotta go to the grocery store and buy some groceries. But that tour has really taught me a lot, taught me more than I've ever known. And uh, I can't wait to see what it does next year. It's, it's really going to be interesting. Cool. That sounds good. Well, hey, man, this has been a, a great education on what's available out there. Sounds like there's all kinds of stuff for people that want to stay local, fish a few events, guys that uh, want, like you just mentioned with bass, that want to travel and have the ability to travel far away distances and go for that situation that they've got going in that organization. Then, of course, the Cabela's and Boat U.S. series. So uh, lots of options out there for college anglers. Sounds like you almost got to pick and choose what you want to do. But hang right here, guys. We've got to take a short break. We're going to power pole down, but have no fear. We're going to be right back with Sam Houston State Collegiate Angler Dylan Harrell in just a moment. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio presented in part by Lawrence Electronics returns with Sam Houston State Collegiate Angler Dylan Harrell in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil high-performance marine products. From real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturers' requirements, be sure to visit the BassEdge.com store for their entire product lineup. It works. Dylan, as we continue our education here on collegiate bass fishing, let's touch base. Lastly, as you mentioned, you started the high school fishing when it was you know, still kind of young, just beginning. How do you feel that all these organizations can just improve high school and college fishing? I, I see just from our conversation, it sounds like there needs to be some kind of consolidation of who has a fishing team and what's available there. I mean, that would definitely promote the schools that are heavy into the programming. Is that right? Yes, sir. I, I feel that if maybe somebody had some some written documents or some online documents or just a website you could go to to find out, does your college have a fishing team? Just because this industry is so big and people don't realize that fishing is such a sport that it really is, unless you're involved in it yourself. I mean, if you're just walking up and down the street and you come to somebody and, and you talk about a fishing team, nine times out of ten, they're not really going to know what you're talking about. But if you're truly serious about it, you know, you're going to be devoting your life and your education based on where do I want to go to school? Does it have a fishing team? Do they help with travel expenses? Do they help with tuition? You know, it's a big factor in people's lives. And I feel that if somebody could come up with maybe a website or some sort of a recruitment process to where they can get people known and get people informed with how are they going to go to that college, I think that would provide leaps and bounds to the college fishing industry, and there would be a lot more participants. Well, you know, speaking of collegiate anglers, Dylan, no disrespect, but the, the college anglers are making a tremendous impact in the professional realm. Kurt and I have interviewed several anglers that have came up through the program that are now fishing BASS or the FLW Tour. So my question is, what is different about the younger generation now that's coming up that are able to step in and compete with the veterans? When you really look at it, it kind of compares up with Major League Baseball. I mean, you can't just 
come out of Little League and go into the MLB and just start playing. There's an obvious skill level gap that's in that. I mean, you have to work your way up through the rankings and through the leagues and learn how to play against your own competitors before you can compete against the best in the world. And the same applies to fishing. I mean, you can try to graduate from high school or fish bigger tournaments in high school. And if you can succeed in them, you know, hey, hats off to you, more power to you, and I applaud you. But it's not as likely as if you were to work your way through high school fishing, you know, compete against people who are on the same skill level as you, you know, don't just jump in feet first into something that, you know, you're going to get yourself in a financial problem, or you're going to go out there and compete against people who are not to sound bad, but who are just obviously better than you because they're, you know, they've had more experience. They've been around longer. They've maybe fished the lake longer. And I'm talking like the BFLs or the Costa series or the opens or whatever it may be. When we were at the national championship for Bassmaster last year, it was called pro night. And some of the elite series guys came out and talked to us in little group rotations. And there was something that really stuck with me. And it was something that Justin Lucas said. He was talking about how he fished a lot through high school and he started fishing tournaments that were way above his league. And he started to feel like he wasn't very good at fishing because he kept constantly getting beat by guys who had been around for a long time and who had been on the tour for a really, really long time. And he, you know, he was starting to feel bad, but he had to take a step back and think and say, you know, look, I'm fishing against people who are above my skill set. And that was what he tried to really touch on was make sure that whenever you start fishing a tour or a tournament trail, whether it be the Opens or the Costa Series or, you know, even going on to the Elite Series or the FLW Tour, he said, make sure that whenever you make a commitment like that, not only are you ready financially, but you're ready as an angler. Make sure that you have the skills and the mental preparation that you need to make sure that you're ready and able able to go onto those trails. That really stuck with me because there was a lot that I was considering uh, at that time based on, you know, where am I going to take my career? And I then realized that the college fishing is precisely where I needed to be because I'm in no place to go onto the Opens or the Costa Series as of right now. But it's really just growing anglers through their competition levels. I mean, the high school guys compete against high school guys. College guys compete against college guys. And I'm not too proud to mention this. Whenever I first started fishing in college, I got my rear end handed to me a couple times because these guys are good. And it took a few times for me to see myself and my partner in that 90th and 100th place spot to really realize, hey, you know, this is going to take some work and it's really going to be hard work. You can't just show up and fish and be the best in the world. I mean, it doesn't happen that way. Barry Bonds or, you know, Adam Dunn or anybody like that that played in the MLB, they didn't get that good by just waking up in the middle of the night and saying, I think I want to swing a baseball bat. I mean, they didn't do that. If you take a look at the tour nowadays, I'll use Bass as an example. If you look at the tour, I mean, Jordan Lee, he won the classic back-to-back years. The first time he fished the classic was because he qualified through college fishing and i mean it's not like he did terrible at that he got six he did great and he got matt lee he did the same thing he came onto the elites because of the college tour he got dustin connell he won the elite series at ross barnett and he came up through the college series the college series is truly spitting out some anglers that as soon as they get onto the elites and as soon as they're ready they're making a big wave they're not just there competing they're actually they're winning tournaments you know they're They're making a statement and they're making a name for themselves. And if you look at it nowadays, a lot of the younger guys that are just now getting on the tour, off the top of my head, the only one I can really think of that came from the college fishing, uh, Jake Whitaker, he just got onto the elites. And I mean, he's placing top tens at the elite series tournaments. I mean, his rookie year on the tour, I mean, it's impressive. And most of the excellent anglers that are coming onto the elites as rookies that, you know, they're not 
they're younger guys like myself. I mean, they they cut their teeth in college fishing just because that's the normal thing nowadays. Everybody's fishing in college or everybody's fishing in high school. It's awesome to see. And if I can take my career to that level, I'll be just as happy. If it takes me a couple of years, it doesn't matter to me. I'm going to keep going until I can. Yeah, well, I think although we've been talking about college fishing, I think your analogy there of working your way up through the ranks that you have available of starting at perhaps even, let's say somebody that's not in college or not going to go to college or somebody that's older. Mm-hmm in years, but maybe just getting into the sport, you can still join a bass club, have success there, move up to the BFLs, move up to the weekend series, do some team tournaments, and then do that natural progression. I'll never forget, Greg Hackney told me one time, way back when we first started Bass Edge, and that was his thing. He was a product of the BFLs. James Niggemeyer, another one, product of the BFLs. Mm -hmm. Everybody has kind of worked their way up, and that gets you ready, not only mentally, but like you're speaking of, of how to travel, of financially. Okay, what is my budget? What does that look like? And there's a lot of things that go into being a professional angler other than just knowing how to catch bass. So hopefully all of our listeners can get something out of that regardless of where they're at, whether they're a college angler or perhaps somebody that's just new into the sport. And, you know, before we head into the next segment of the show, I want to exploit just quickly what got you here. And I appreciate all the information that you shared about college fishing, but ultimately you've got to be a good angler. And let's chat just very, very briefly about some early fall fishing tactics. What are you looking for the bass? to be doing in late September in East Texas, and how do you like to target them? Well, honestly, I'm hoping that the weather will cool off in East Texas, because I, I tell you what, this 100-degree heat and 115% humidity, it's taking a toll on me, man. I, I don't like it, but if we can get the weather to cool off a little bit like it normally does towards the end of September, I look for the shad to really start moving back into the creeks off of the main lake stuff. I fish a lot on Lake Conroe and a lot on Sam Rayburn, and a lot of those shad are really deep right now because it's just flat-out hot. And uh, I look for there to be a lot of surface activity with shad. If you're on Sam Rayburn, a lot of bait fish moving to the inner grass lines. Maybe a lot of that grass will start really getting matted on top because this time of year, it's so hot that while there is a lot of grass, you know, it's not completely fully matted to the top like it is in September or October. And that's really when I like to fish it because those shad will get up there on those grass lines and those fish will just follow them. I mean, the old, as the old saying goes, you find the shad, you find the bass. A lot of those bait fish are on main lake points, you know, on main lake drops right now. In the next month or two, I look for them to really kind of filter their way back into the creeks and maybe move to the secondary points. A lot of the grass lines, maybe some brush piles that are in there. But really and truly, if you're going to be targeting them early morning with the top water, that would be my first thing to do is just pick a creek that I like that's got some good depth contours in it that really feeds into the main lake or into the main river channel. And just start from there and try to put together a little bit of a pattern, see if they're sitting on the points or they sitting on grass lines if the lake has grass are they sitting on boat docks sea walls rock piles riprap banks and then maybe after some top water action that morning after the sun gets up and it starts to get a little hot because i mean we are in east texas it stays hot until christmas i'll see a lot of those fish maybe moving to six to eight foot of water i wouldn't think they'd be any deeper than that unless it's just abnormally hot but that six to eight foot range is where i've had a lot of success late september and early october uh, a lot of those fish like to set up on you know treetops or brush piles or stump rows or little channel bends even you can catch them with spoons and stuff like that but a lot of the fishing that time of year is going to be based in 
oriented on where the shad going to be because they start to group up and really move into the creeks at that time. Dylan, that's great advice. I hear you talking about looking for those highways, those highways that the bait fish and that are going to move through and migrate in. And then obviously the bass uh, looking for those. I think a lot of people would be surprised if they don't live down here in Texas about how hot it stays this time of year. And uh, really fall doesn't kick in until typically late October and November. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I love what you said right there. It's still even hot sometimes right up into Christmas. But although oh, yeah. January and February gets a little chilly for my blood too. But uh, wah, wah, wah. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Dylan, I'm, it's I'm time for here. our listener question segment. This episode's listener question segment is brought to us by Nitro Boats Total Performance Bass Boats. Max Holiday from San Antonio asks this question. I see all the pros using bait casters. What are the benefits compared to a spinning reel? Just a regular fishing junkie who used a spinning reel his whole life, but was playing with the idea of changing things up. On a side note, he does most of his fishing from the bank. Dylan, what kind of experience do you have in this category? Well, I'll be honest with you. One of my favorite ways to catch a fish is on a spinning rod. I really started to do that this year because we were kind of forced to. We go to catch smallmouth up around Tennessee and you're kind of forced to do that but man some of the benefits to a bait caster is you can really cast a lot farther with it it'll hold more line it'll hold that heavier line that's not braided line i mean you can hold that 15 17 even 20 pound fluorocarbon or monofilament on a bait cast reel and it won't come spiraling off there like everybody knows it will on a spinning reel you can fish a lot heavier baits because you can use a lot heavier rods i've seen a lot of instances whenever i'm throwing like a topwater frog or i'm throwing i mean even an alabama rig (laughs) you can't throw that on a spinning rod just for the fact of whenever you do hook a fish normally you know number one that bait's real heavy and number two that fish is going to be down in some pretty thick stuff like if you're fishing a frog over grass mats or lily pads whenever you set the hook on him you know whenever i'm fishing a frog and i I lean into one man i give it all i got i don't weigh all that much but i give him all i got and i try to muscle him up out of there and uh, if you're using a spinning rod and a spinning reel normally it doesn't have as much backbone and as much you know winching power as a bait caster does so you're not getting that full potential that a bait cast has you can throw a more broad spectrum of baits while there's a lot of things I use on a spinning rod that I will use on a bait caster. I use it on a spinning rod because it's easier for me to feel, it's more sensitive, or it's easier for me to set the hook and tighten and loosen my drag as I go. But with a bait caster, you have a much more broad spectrum of baits that you can choose to throw over that spinning rod strictly because those baits will work better being thrown on a heavier action rod with a reel that's going to have a lot tighter drag and that can handle that heavier, heavier line. Very, very thought out answer right there, Dylan, and we appreciate you answering that for Max. Max, one thing that we need from you, you need to contact us either through our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, email us at support at Bass Edge or simply go to BassEdge.com, click on that claim your prize segment and let us know that you heard Dylan answer your question and we are going to send you a one-year subscription to Bass Angler Magazine compliments of Mark Lesane and uh, that is going to give you all kinds of information for the future in helping you catch more fish whether it's from the bank or in a boat and Bass Edge Nation keeps sending in those questions to the show through our website BassEdge.com or our social media outlets we've got Instagram Facebook Twitter we're all over it out there so uh, we want to hear your questions get them on the show and man you could be the next winner it's going to either be a bass edge gift or something special like that angler just received the bass angler magazine subscription 
Yeah, good stuff. Dylan, it's amazing how quickly time flies. You have been a tremendous source of information for us today, and I hope the listeners can spread the word on high school or college fishing and see really how easy it is to start programs in their own areas of the country. Any final uh, comments for Bass Edge listeners? And really all I have to say is, you know, it's kind of cliche to say, but, you know, follow your dreams with the talents that God blessed you with. I'm a firm believer and I hold my faith to a real high standard in my life. I'm a firm believer that when the good Lord's got a plan for you, that nothing's going to stand in your way of achieving that plan. And while you may not know what that plan is, he does. There's a lot of anglers out there that contemplated stopping on the tour or stopping fishing altogether. And then the Clint Davis story that just won the Forcewood Cup is a prime example. He said that last year he was contemplating stopping fishing and he's now a Forcewood Cup champion. I mean, when God's got a plan for you, no matter what it is, it's going to happen. If you're trying to make a career out of fishing, go all in. Don't give it half of what you got. Give it everything you got to make sure that you know you have no regrets in your tries to that success. Very good point right there, Dylan. Hey, we've got a little segment, the four last questions for you i'm gonna send you off with it your go-to gas station drinking snack <laughs> man whenever i pull into a gas station i gotta go get me one of those red mountain dews and one of the biggest rice krispie treats i can find <laughs> all right what is your favorite fishing technique well they're kind of both on two different ends of the spectrum i really like a drop shot i got really accustomed to throwing a drop shot this year and man i, I grew up on sam rayburn and when you put me on rayburn in, in december january and february i will always have a lipless crankbait in my hands at all times because that is my favorite way to catch them when you rip it out of that grass and you feel that thing load up and when you get that five or six pounder in the boat you can't even see that lipless crankbait down there in his throat uh, oh, <laughs> man that's such a great feeling i love it that sounds like fun. You've been watching this game for a long time, so who's your favorite pro angler? Well, I guess I could say I'm a little biased here, but, I mean, obviously one of the only ones I've ever fished with in a tournament, so I guess I could say he's my favorite is, is Mr. Kurt Dove. Oh, <laughs> I, I, oh that, was a, that was a payoff. That was a payoff. <laughs> but I really, honestly, I, I don't have favorites. I mean, they're all great guys. I've talked to quite a few guys. I, I got to talk to Stetson Blaylock at the national championship this year. Like I said, I talked to Justin Lucas. I've talked to quite a few guys. Swim Kendall's obviously one of the funnier guys on tour. No, nah, no, nah, we'll just leave it at me, dude. That's good. That's good. <laughs> well, we'll leave it. I will say my, my favorite's got to be you, Kurt. You're, you're the best. <laughs> All right. Instagram or Snapchat? Uh, I got both of them. My Instagram, uh, you can follow me there at, at Dylan, D-I-L-L-O-N. Harrell, H-A-R-R-E-L-L, fishing. There's no spaces or anything in between that. It's all one big jumbled up word. And uh, don't critique me on my Snapchat name. I made it when I was in eighth grade. Uh, my Snapchat is at the letter D and then Bassmaster1011. Does it transition into Instagram or do you just stay on Snapchat all the way through college? How's that working out? Man, I, I like to mix it up a little bit because social right. media is such a big player and everything. Uh, I try to mix up all my social media accounts to where I'm not focusing mainly on one because yeah. representation is, is the main thing for your sponsor. So I try to keep it on all of them. He's already got his business head going, Aaron. You got to love it. Hey, I Dylan, it. thank you so much for being with us. Super wealth of knowledge there. Look forward to staying in touch. Bass Edge Radio will return right after this message. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. 
put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard Keel Protectors. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. I've got to say, for our first official collegiate angler, Dylan did very, very well. Yeah, he's no slouch, buddy. <laughs> he's uh, not your probably average low 20-something angler. Uh, he's got a mission, he's got a plan, and he knows the game. Um, li- like I mentioned in the interview, I fished with him in 2015 at the uh, Bassmaster High School All-American event over at uh, Lake Barkley. Certainly had a blast, been following his career through his final high school years and then, you know, at the beginning of his college year and, and uh, you know, he qualified for the national championship this year. So uh, Dylan's got big things coming and he knows the college game. And that's really what we wanted to do today was kind of expose some of the uh, possibilities, things that are going on out there in the high school and college fishing world, why it's so great for the sport, but also noticing that there's plenty room for improvement and uh, for the bass fishing world to kind of take advantage of what they've created and uh so there's still some gaps in i don't want to say the coverage but as far as the um, direction for some of these young anglers and once that continues to evolve and we can create some of these processes i feel like the colleges will get behind this as well and help us promote you know some of this fishing thing but until that happens it's kind of another club and some colleges take it seriously some a little bit less seriously but the great thing is that it's easy to get involved with whether the college or high school has a team or doesn't you can create your own where there's a will there's a way and um, college fishing and high school fishing is uh, a great piece of this sport moving forward and going to be a great growth process for everybody no doubt and as you and i have discussed many times the change in landscape of bass fishing is going to make quantum leaps in the upcoming years so it's it's going to be interesting to sit back and kind of be a part of that change because obviously there's been several you know that that can be cited down through a few decades here but i think it's definitely speeding up and speeding up i've got to speed up this close so that everybody can get back to their day kurt i know uh, you've got a lot of things going on in the meantime i'm going to go start getting ready to head to the championship so we wish you a wonderful two weeks be sure to stay on top of all things bass edge with bass edge social media and certainly visit the bassedge.com store where you can find a lot of uh, things that will help you put more fish in the boat for kurt dove i am aaron martin so long everybody the edge is presented by megaware keel guard for more information on bass edge or to shop at the bass edge online store visit bassedge.com and be sure to join kurt dove and aaron martin right here on another episode of the edge brought to you in part by nitro boats lucas oil protecttheharvest.com mercury marine lawrence electronics power pole and rapaholic.com 